Welcome to Speak Up and Stay Alive Radio with author, speaker, and your host, Pat Rulo, serving you a generous helping of everything you need to know to help you and your loved ones stay safe during any doctor or hospital visit. The program is not intended to replace medical advice from a licensed professional, but rather to encourage you to become a well-informed participant in your health and well-being. And now, your host, Pat Rulo. Hello and welcome. I'm Pat Rulo, the voice for patient safety, where each week we delve into little-known healthcare and hospital hazards, as well as other fringe topics that affect your health and well-being. I'm so happy you've taken the time to join me, and today I have lots to share with you. So, let's dig right in, shall we? Well, just recently I reviewed the top 10 health technology hazards of 2020, the report for hospitals, medical practices, and home care providers. And for the 13th annual report, the ECRI Institute identified the top health technology concerns that healthcare leaders should address. Always interesting to find out what they are. Here's the top 10 health hazards for 2020. Number one, surgical stapler misuse. Number two, point-of-care ultrasound. Three, sterile processing errors in medical and dental offices. Four, central venous catheter risk in at-home hemodialysis. Five, unproven surgical robotic procedures. Six, alarm, alert, and notification overload. Seven, Connected home health care security risks. Eight, missing implant data and MRIs. Nine, medication timing errors in electronic health records. And ten, loose nuts and bolts in devices. <laughs> oh my gosh, this whole list of ten sounds like a lot of loose nuts and bolts, doesn't it? But I was kind of shocked to see the number one concern was surgical stapler misuse. So I did some heavy research into that, and I thought I'd share a bit more about it with you. Now, today's surgeons rely more on surgical staplers as an alternative to stitches and sutures due to the increased speed and the ease of use provided by the stapler devices. However, Sometimes the stapler can misfire during a procedure, leading to serious injuries and medical complications. Due to the frequency of these misfires, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, recently issued a Class I recall, which is the most serious level for certain types of defective surgical staplers. Now I'm going to give you a little heads up here. Let's not think that the FDA was so wonderful and looking out for us to issue that recall. I've got a nasty little secret to share with you. Anyway, the recalled staplers received mounting reports for misfiring staples, which cause, as I said, serious damage and life-threatening injuries. 
The defects also cause the staplers to jam and to produce malformed staples, which can lead to the following patient complications, sepsis, internal bleeding, tearing and tissue damage, lifelong nutritional deficiencies, the need for a permanent ostomy bag, fistula formation, lifelong digestive issues, leak in the closure, additional surgeries, need for antibiotics, need for additional imaging studies, and the best wrongful death. Thousands of patients have reported serious injuries resulting from defective surgical staplers. Many lawsuits have been filed on behalf of victims hurt by malfunctioning surgical staplers. Some of the lawsuits have gone to trial and have led to huge verdicts. Most prominently among them was a recent California case that ended up with the victim being awarded $80 million, including $70 million in punitive damages against the surgical stapler manufacturer, Ethicon. And another little secret I'm going to tell you in a minute. Let's find out who makes Ethicon. Anyway, the staplers were originally created to close external wounds and cuts on the surface of the skin to replace the more traditional sutures. Surgical staplers were not originally intended for internal use on soft tissue. And currently, this stapler litigation involves cases where surgical staples were used internally, most commonly for surgical procedures involving the gastrointestinal tract. A main issue with surgical staplers is that they're typically made from inexpensive, flimsy materials in offshore factories employing unskilled, cheap laborers. Gee, I wonder what country of origin that's from. While this may be good for the manufacturer's bottom line, it's far from the ideal way to craft a precision surgical instrument, don't you think? A second fundamental problem is that most devices currently on the market were approved through the quick and easy 510K process, which requires no clinical trials and very little oversights. So what happens when staplers fail to deploy? When a surgeon fires the device, it first performs a cut to the tissue and then almost immediately fires a staple to close the tissue. One common malfunction is when the cut is made, but the staple does not fire to close the tissue. The tissue is left open, creating a wound in the gastrointestinal tract, for example. If the staples fail to fire, they can be life-threatening due to the massive amount of blood that is lost quickly from the wound which remains open. If this type of misfire occurs during a laparoscopic or a keyhole procedure, the surgeon may be forced to convert to an open surgery to repair the damage and save the patient's life. And these situations are almost always life-threatening as the patient may bleed out and die within a few minutes. For some patients, complications arise after the initial surgical procedure is over. Many times, patients are forced to return to the operating room almost immediately for an unplanned emergency repair surgery. Others may be released from the hospital only to return a few days later once symptoms arise. Most complications are caused by the staples failing to adequately close the incision, as I said, due to the misfire. 
or a staple that does not fully close. So, who are the top manufacturers of surgical staplers? Covidian and Ethicon are the two market leaders for surgical staplers, controlling 95% of the endoscopic surgical stapler market in the United States. Covidian is a subsidiary of Medtronic and Ethicon from the global giant Johnson & Johnson. And I expose them on several other occasions for so many things, including your sprinkle a day, your Johnson & Johnson talcum powder, which is causing ovarian cancer, and among other shows I've done, um, exposing this wonderful family of companies. Now, the FDA has acknowledged that more than 56,000 never-before-disclosed surgical stapler malfunctions were quietly reported to the FDA from 2011 through 2018. It acknowledged in a letter to doctors that many more device malfunction reports were reported to the agency than it had publicly disclosed. The FDA executive summary shows that the total reports more than doubled when the agency took non-public reports into account, totaling nearly 110,000 malfunctions or injuries from 2011 to 2018. Remember, I initially said 56,000? Well, another half, probably more, were hidden in this non-public report that the FDA calls, and I quote, alternative summary report. So, did FDA corruption lead to the creation of a hidden database that held some dark secrets pertaining to surgical staplers and other medical devices? <laughs> you know the answer to that. The Alternative Summary Reports system was a secret database that held reports of device injuries and malfunctions that usually would have been included in the FDA's Manufacturer and User Facility Device Experience, and the, the uh, acronym for that is MOD, the Manufacturer and User Facility Device Experience, MOD. That's a system that's a public reporting database that's available to doctors. So prior to using a new device or after experiencing a malfunction of a device, a doctor often checks the MOD database to see if anyone else has had issues with that particular medical product. Physicians depend on the reports to be a comprehensive look at the issues or failures that other doctors have experienced with the medical devices. But between 1997 and 2019, the FDA allowed medical device manufacturers to request the option of reporting medical device problems in its secret alternative summary report database rather than the MOD database. Now, any manufacturer, such as Covidian and Ethicon, allowed to use this alternative summary report system was able to submit their quarterly spreadsheets summarizing the problems experienced with the FDA-approved medical devices. These were submitted to the FDA privately and never shared with the public or with the healthcare community. By reporting to this secret ASR system, the manufacturers were allowed to satisfy the FDA reporting requirement without incurring the scrutiny of the public or the medical community. 
Some doctors allege that FDA corruption due to the fact that more than 56,000 reports of surgical stapler problems were kept secret between 2011 and 2018 because the malfunctions were submitted to the hidden database instead of the public mod system. In addition to these surgical stapler reports going to the secret database, the FDA allowed Allergan, Allergan, I don't know how to pronounce that, to hide breast implant ruptures and injuries by reporting those through the secret database as well. When the FDA reporting administrators changed the breast implant injury reports to the MOD database, the number rose from 200 annual incidents to 4,500 in 2017 and over 8,200 in the first six months of 2018. So the FDA announced it ended its secret program in June of 2019. At that time, the agency issued a statement that said that the secret program was created to allow, and I quote, the FDA to more efficiently review reports of well-known, well-understood adverse events so we could focus on identifying and taking action on new safety signals and less understood risks, unquote. And do you even know what that means? I think I'm somewhat intelligent. I have no idea what that even means. Doctors, such as Dr. Douglas Kwasniewski, don't buy the FDA's reasoning on the creation or the secrecy of this alternative systems report. He told Kaiser Health News that he ran into an issue with a surgical stapler locking up when he was operating on a patient's abdomen. He wondered if the malfunction was a fluke or if others had experienced such an issue. So he looked at the FDA's MOD database, the public database, and said he didn't find anything there. Still not really convinced that he could have been the only surgeon to encounter an issue with this surgical stapler, he conducted his own survey and found that two-thirds of leading surgeons surveyed had wrestled with a similar stapler problem or knew of a surgeon who had. So when Dr. Kwasniewski learned that the surgical stapler companies had been given the choice to send reports of malfunctions to secret databases instead of the public MOD database, he was stunned and said, I don't want to sound overdramatic here, but it seems like a cover-up. Seems like something, wouldn't you say? So the question is why? Why would these companies even have the right to submit to a hidden database? But Diana Zuckerman, president of the National Center for Health Research, said that alternative summary reports are a well-kept secret and that any reports related to their existence were, quote, done in a way that was not understood as a repository for hundreds of thousands of serious adverse event reports, unquote. So some of the serious injuries caused by surgical staplers and staples are torn and damaged internal organs and tissues. I, I mentioned sepsis, a potentially fatal reaction to infection, increased risk of cancer recurrence, fistula formation and abnormal connection between organs or other tissues in the body, or death. So the FDA then, in 2019, March 2019, they issued a letter to doctors and hospitals and other healthcare providers regarding the dangers of surgical staplers and its new recommendations for preventing complications. 
the letter highlighted the most common malfunctions and complications. And uh, I, I, I'm, my mind is just blown by how stupid these are, but I've got to read some of them to you. So FDA recommendations to doctors for preventing stapler-related complications. Number one, read and carefully follow manufacturer's instructions. Are you kidding me? Is a physician just going to pull the stapler out of the uh, Amazon Prime packaging and start stapling away at somebody's stomach? Okay, here's number two. Have a range of staple sizes available during surgery and use the correct type and size for the surgery. Again, like, would a surgeon not know what staple size they were going to use, what the correct type would be for their surgery? Here's another one. Consider other options if tissue may not support staples. No, duh. Oh, here's a good one. Be familiar with surrounding organs, tissues, and surgical tools that may be damaged by or interfere with the staples. Oh, so you're telling a physician, you're telling a surgeon to be familiar with surrounding organs? Avoid using staples on large blood vessels such as the aorta. Avoid clamping staplers onto delicate tissue that could be damaged. Duh. Be prepared to clamp or close off blood vessels in the event of a malfunction when using staples to repair the vessels. I mean, are those about the dumbest rules you've ever heard? Would a well-versed, would any surgeon need these kind of instructions? Oh, wow. Anyway, the FDA announced in March 2019 that it was taking steps to reclassify the surgical staplers for internal use as moderate risk devices. Previously, they had been considered low-risk devices since 1988, and other low-risk devices are Band-Aids and tongue depressors. Okay, so as a Class 1 device, the companies are not required to notify the FDA of any new models or upgrades to existing models before they sell them. So these staplers were just out there willy-nilly. You know, we've got Johnson & Johnson tinkering with them, but it doesn't have to go through any oversight with the FDA. Unbelievable. The FDA announced that it's shutting down its controversial alternative summary reporting program and ending its decades-long practice of allowing medical device makers to conceal millions of reports of harm and malfunctions from the general public. Ay ay ay. I mean, the number one job of the FDA shouldn't be buyer beware now, should it? But still, data shows that during the first nine months of 2018, the FDA continued to accept more than 190,000 injury reports and 45,000 malfunction reports under that hidden alternative summary reporting program. And they say that it will not stop allowing device makers to file other types of exemption reports that are withheld from the public. Now, we all know the FDA is the regulatory agency responsible for ensuring safe food and medicine, and it's been marred by so many scandals from a 2016 insider trading prosecution to a 2009 politicized medical device approval to a 2013 ProPublica investigation that found that the FDA overlooked fraudulent research and let potentially unsafe drugs stay on the market. Why? Why are there so many questionable incidents at the FDA? Probably it has to do with the design of the FDA. 
Corruption blooms where transparency and accountability are lacking. The FDA is responsible for the approval of pharmaceuticals, which are incredibly expensive to develop in the hundreds of millions of dollars per drug. Drug companies, therefore, spend heavily on lobbyists to influence FDA approval policy. This conduct, even if lawful, raises at the reasonable suspicion of impropriety and undermines public confidence in the agency because they suffer from this revolving door frequency that I've spoken about before. Many FDA administrators, either before or after their time at the FDA, receive payments from and sit on the boards of large pharmaceutical companies. And when these FDA administrators stand to make hundreds of thousands of dollars in the years following their service from the very companies they are charged with regulating, well, hello, they face strong incentives to behave in ways favorable to those companies. Now, here's an interesting take from a former military intelligence gentleman from England named Michael Rochard. He says, I have long held the theory that the FDA is not trying to keep us safe, but rather exposes us to harmful products that will reduce our lifespan, sometimes dramatically. If this were true, who benefits? The simple and obvious answer is the government, because if any of us die young, there are less benefits that have to be paid out. And since Congress is in the habit of borrowing money from Social Security, there is more money available to be borrowed. Oh, actually, he says, I should use the term stolen instead of borrowed, as I'm not aware of any of that missing money ever being repaid. Oh, interesting take. Uh, does uh, that remind you, perhaps, of just what went on in nursing homes with the COVID-19 deaths? Think of the huge financial drain older people place on resources such as Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, insurance. The U.S. spends about $800 billion annually on medical care for older adults, most of those with chronic disease and functional impairment. Medicaid spends about $125 billion on long-term support and services. That's a lot of money saved if these folks are no longer using resources. Just saying. Anyway, I just wanted you to be aware of the surgical stapler situation. So if you or a loved one have suffered, are suffering any of the following during or after surgery, you may want to look into a conversation about surgical staplers with your physician or your attorney. Staples opening or malformation, prolonged or repeat surgery, internal bleeding, infection or sepsis, tissue or organ damage, cancer recurrence after tumor removal or death. You know me, my job is to keep you informed because as I always say, you have to speak up and stay alive. Listen to Pat Rulo and Speak Up and Stay Alive Radio. Stay safe from little known healthcare and hospital hazards. To learn more, go to speakupandstayalive.com. That's speakupandstayalive.com. Hi there, my name is Gina, and I'm part of a global movement of people who are taking action to protect and preserve this great planet of ours. I would love for you to join us. Meet me at mrsgreensworld.com 
and engage with us by listening to our dynamic podcasts, reading our blogs, watching our videos, and connecting with us on social media. We are showing up every day as Disruptors for Good, being the change we wish to see in the world. Take action today and join us. Well, with all of the crazy out there, whether it's surgical staplers or the coronavirus, lots of good reasons to stay home, stay safe this summer, and get involved with some good summer reading. And I have two books for you. One, I've interviewed her before and shared her on this show before. The book is called Rio, A Love Story, How My Dog Saved My Life by Joni Dark Shepherd. This is a story, it's a beautiful heartwarming story about a woman immersed in sadness from heartbreaking family circumstances. Her sister died, her mom passed away, and how she regained control of her life by setting goals and achieving new heights and accomplishments by meeting a dog whom she adopted. Actually, she adopted several dogs and became a show dog mom. And it's just a great book. So I'm gonna highly suggest that you add that to your summer reading list. I actually did the audio book for that as well. And you could find out more at the website, joanandrio.com. And then just a few weeks ago, I interviewed a gal and shared her with you, an author. Her name is Adele Gill. And we talked about her newest book called How to Go from Broken to Blessed. Adele is a retired RN, uh, a chaplain and author of several books. But this self-help book, How to Go from Broken to Blessed, is a six-step guide to wholeness and living the blessed life through biblical principles. So both of these books, I, I highly recommend to you. They're both very, very inspiring, and we need that at a time like this. Adele Gill's book, How to Go from Broken to Blessed, is at her website, and that is theinspirationcafeblog.com, theinspirationcafeblog.com. You can find out more, and you can also get it at amazon.com. Both books available at amazon.com. Rio, How My Dog Saved My Life by Joni Dark Shepherd, and How to Go from Broken to Blessed, and blessed is spelled B-L-E-S-T, like best, only blessed, by Adele Gill, G-I-L-L. All righty. While we're talking about books, there's plenty of them at my website, speakupandstayalive.com. Yep, you can get the patient advocate hospital survival guide called Speak Up and Stay Alive. You can get healthcare acquired infections, the troublemakers and how to avoid them. And there's my essential oils book there. Just so much on the website, speakupandstayalive.com. Not going to go into any more. Just head over there, get some, get some more reading to add to your summer reading list. And I guess we are at the point where we have to say goodbye. But I encourage you to come back next week. Come back every Saturday morning at 8.30 on WHKW AM 1220, The Word. And the same show again on Sunday afternoons at 2.30 on WHK AM 1420, The Answer. So you could hear them both places all weekend long and always at the website speakupandstayalive.com. Alrighty, we're going. I will see you next week. Same time, same place. Until then, I hope you have a healthy and a happy week free from surgical 
misfiring staplers. I am Pat Rulo, and I am the voice for informed choice and patient safety. The information provided in today's broadcast is for informational purposes only and was not intended for use as diagnosis or treatment of a health problem and should not be considered as medical advice. If you've missed part of today's show or just want to share the information with friends, you can listen to all of Pat's previous shows at speakupandstayalive.com. Want even more information? Purchase a copy of Pat's book at speakupandstayalive.com. Once again, it's speakupandstayalive.com. Or you can call Pat at 440-725-5462. Until next week, remember, it's okay to ask others to wash their hands. You have to speak up and stay alive.